Malachi chapter 2, verses 10 through 6. I've got on the top of the notes there. There are six, as you said, six dis- disputes here in the book. We're on the third one. Uh, the first one was God has a covenant with Israel, but they would not recognize it. So I wrote underneath there, the first dispute was the problem there. The nation does not recognize God in history or in their daily life. And God says, my gosh, you don't see me moving in history? And he gave him examples. The second dispute that we saw last week and the week before was with the priests. The priests were not teaching. Uh, and so Israel is not fearing God. The, the priests are not honoring the temple. And so the priests were not teaching the word of God. So the people are ignorant going further and further into sin. And tonight we're going to see the men are not faithful to their wives. And so what we have right here in these first three, it's just interesting, is the nation doesn't see God. They are, in a sense, they can't figure where God's at. They're, they're, they don't see God. The, the priest or the, the institution of teaching is not teaching the word. And now we're going to have men and divorce. The families and marriage is, is breaking apart. So a blind nation, no teaching, and broken families is the problem in Malachi. And that's, we've got four more to go after this, or three more to go after this. Uh, you can kind of see the pattern. Even the word Hamas, violence, which is one of the words I based uh, Hope for Mary's last generation on was the, the last generation is the Hamas generation. Not, not Hamas, Hamas, it means the same thing, the Hamas uh, terrorist group. But before Hamas was there, Hamas was still a word that meant violence. And it's, it's social violence. It's, it's not just beating people up. It's social oppression. It's driving the poor, making the poor weaker, and the rich getting stronger. It's, it's just social oppression. And it, it can manifest, as it will tonight, we start talking about marriage. I'm going to read through very quickly uh, chapter 2, verses 10 through 16 in the NIV. We have the English standard on the notes with the Hebrew. And here it's fairly simple. Let me, let me do this first. Uh, the bullet point at the very top, right underneath the six disputations. The first chapter 2, verse 10 through 12, and then chapter 2, verse 13 through 16, uh, they're the same part, but you're going to get confused. Or, again, I don't want to say you're going to get confused. I will say, I was like, ah, how's this fit together? It sounds weird. Uh, because right here, these verses are talking about the daughters of the foreign gods. Now, simply being said, these are foreign women. Marrying foreign women. And again, right up front, I've got the verses here to show you. This is not about anti-nations or racism or something. This is about Yahweh has a nation that he wants to follow him, learn about him, do things his way. And the other nations are in darkness following their foreign gods. We call them demons or false philosophies. And then these men that are supposed to be following Yahweh will marry these women. Now, if you're a follower of Yahweh and are willing to marry a woman who is following a foreign god, and that woman will not give up her foreign god, but you're willing to marry her, that basically means you're willing to give up Yahweh to marry this woman and this foreign god. So the issue is not well, she's a foreign woman. The issue is you're walking away from truth to marry into a false religion. That's what this is about right here. And real quickly, a heads up, why would they do this? Well, because they've got hotter women over there in those foreign countries. Maybe, but no. This is about money. Remember, 
We went through Nehemiah, we went through Ezra, and we see the situation where they're, they're, they're oppressed by the nations, if it, if it be the Arab or if it be the Moabites, if it be Samaria, causing oppression, and, and they're trying to get trade, they're trying to get their economics back up. But these foreign women, in many cases, in Ephesus, we're going to see it in Ephesus when we go through 1 Timothy, they're dedicated to their gods as little girls. They're dedicated as to be, the, 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 they dedicate themselves to their gods. And so these are the daughters of the foreign gods. So they're, they're, they're women. They're not produced by the gods, but they're just like I would consider myself a son of God, a child of God. It's like, that doesn't mean, you know, God, I'm spe- it means I'm a follower. I'm committed to this God. So anyway, that's what this is meaning. Well, in their, in their cities, in their cultures, their nations, in their economics, the gods would be aligned with the guilds or the trade guilds, the, the enterprises, the businesses. And so for some of these men who are struggling, struggling in rebuilt Judah, coming back out of captivity, nothing's working out. They've got drought. They don't have any trade routes. But if they would just marry into the business, they marry into a, a, a wife from a foreign country. It's not about good looks. It's not about love. I don't understand that, whatever, maybe. But the, the issue here is if they can marry into this right here, their whole world changes. They now have a business. They now have trade. They're now welcomed into the trade guilds. And they are now going to be making money. They're now there. They're having trouble here in Judah, uh, trying to be, rebuild the walls. But now I've married the foreign women, and now the doors open up. And you can see that the priest, you go back to Nehemiah, Ezra, the priests have married in to the foreign countries. And, and also in the priests, we saw in Nehemiah, he came back from uh, 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 Babylon or Susa. He came back and they put the, the foreign men on the Temple Mount, had an office because, well, trade. It, it, it's just good for the economy. And so they were marrying foreign women. Okay, now these, in chapter verse 13, it starts talking about divorce. And it's, it, it's like, now the men are divorcing their wives. And what happens, what is happening, is this actually comes first, because it talks about the wife of your youth, the wife of your marriage covenant. You've married a Jewish man in Judah, has married a Jewish woman here, and he sees an opportunity here. Not in a sense that, you know, uh, they had an affair possibly but that's not the topic they 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 fell in love with another woman they they met her online that that's okay probably not but what is happening here they're struggling here they they've married a jewish woman also in judah whose father is also struggling and what they can do is divorce the wife of their youth and now we go to problem number two and they marry a foreign woman my problems are over they want, the foreigners want to marry in because we want to take control of the area of Judah. And that's what Nehemiah was trying to drive these people out. And so this is number one, they divorce their wives. By getting divorced, they can now remarry here. That is the topic of what's going on. Uh, and that's what chapter, those bullet points are referring to. Chapter 2, verse 10 through 12, Israelite men who have improper marriages and Jewish men who have married foreign women for social and financial advantage but first, chapter 2, verse 13 through 16, Israelite men have divorced their wives. Jewish men have divorced their Jewish wives to marry the foreign women. Now, again, 
we'll read the verses. You can put it together how you want. You can interpret it. I'm just saying that makes sense. Because this is talking about don't marry foreign women. You, in fact, what did Ezra and Nehemiah say? Divorce these women. Send them away. Okay, well, I married a foreign woman. I'm supposed to divorce her. Okay, I divorced her. Okay, let's read the next verse. Why did you get divorced? Because Ezra told me to. Nehemiah told me to. Because I married a foreign woman. I sent her back. Well, you're not supposed to get divorced. What? That doesn't make sense. But if you're married to a Jewish woman and get divorced, don't do that, especially if you're marrying a foreign woman. Okay, here we go. Uh, I'm reading the NIV right now, and then we'll look in the English Standard as we go. Chapter 2, verse 10. Have we not all one Father? Did not one God create us? Why do we profane the covenant of our fathers by breaking faith with one another? Judah has broken faith. Detestable thing has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Judah has desecrated my sanctuary the Lord loves by marrying the daughter of a foreign god. As for the man who does this, whoever he may be, may the Lord cut him off from the tents of Jacob, even though he brings offerings to the Lord Almighty. Okay, that's this right here. Verse 13, another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears, you weep and wail because he no longer pays attention to your offering or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. Uh, remember in verse 12, he was trying to get to the temple. Now verse 13, he's at the temple and nothing's happening. Uh, you ask, why? Well, it is because the Lord, Yahweh, is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth, because you have broken faith with her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Three times there, the wife of your youth, your partner, that means in a covenant together, and your marriage covenant. It defines them. Has not the Lord made them one? So in other words, he's upset they're getting divorced. Not from the foreign wives, but they're from, apparently, the Jewish wives. To get to the foreign wives. Uh, has not the Lord made them one in flesh and spirit? They are his. And why one? Because he was seeking godly offspring. Now again, we'll come back. There's some explaining to do here. Uh, so guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. Then here it says in the NIV translation, and we will challenge this. Uh, the commentators do, the Hebrew does, but this is one way of translating it. I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel, and I hate the, a man's covering himself with violence. There's your word, Hamas, violence. As well as with his garment, says the Lord Almighty. So, guard yourself in spirit and do not break faith. Notice right there the phrase break faith is several times, and one of the first things you'll see if you go to your notes now and turn to page two, we're coming back to page one, go to page two at the top, point three at the top of page two, the phrase to act treacherously is uh, right there in uh, the first verse 10 in, the, in Malachi 2.10 in the English Standard. They ask, have we, have we not all one Father? Has not God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? The word faithless in chapter 2 verse 10 is that word begad. And Bagad, let me see if I can write it here very quickly. B-A-G-A-D, Bagad. Uh, 
and it means to act treacherously, to act faithlessly. Uh, it means to deal treacherously with a covenant. It is used, you can see it right there, one, two, three, four, five times in these verses. Chapter 10, chapter 2, verse 10 through 16, that word comes up five times in five different verses. Chapter 2, verse 10, why then are we faithless, God to one another? Judah has been faithless, or God, the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless. Let none of you be faithless to the wife of his youth. Then it ends, chapter 2, verse 16, <coughs> with the last word of this whole section. So guard yourselves in spirit and do not be faithless, but God. So clearly the theme of this, I would at least present it as one of the top themes, is faithless, or not keeping the covenant, or being treasure, saying I'll do this, making a covenant, and then doing something different. They are being treacherous or begod by going against the mosaic covenant and marrying foreign women and again it's not just foreign women it's daughters of a foreign god you're leaving yahweh and yahweh's nation to marry a daughter of a different god no that's faithless that's begod to the covenant and to get there what do you have to do you have to be begod to the wife of your youth. You have to break this marriage covenant, which God is overseeing to get out of this marriage, to break this covenant, so you can break another covenant to marry over here, so you can have a better life. And so that is the theme throughout this. Let's go back to page one. Uh, point one on page one is interesting because you can, if I point it out, you can hear because we. Me, I don't want to say we because I'm not sure you're probably smarter and more alert and more devoted than I am. I just sometimes just read stuff and I miss the obvious until I slow down and start breaking it apart and reading commentaries. But it, chapter 2, verse 10, uh, it, it, is, it says, Have we not all one Father? It is like Israel is arguing for God's position. They're saying, have we not all one Father? And that means Creator God. Or He created the nation Israel. Has not one God created us? They're, 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 it's, they're starting off like being logical. It's like, how illogical are we? It's like a bunch of guys sitting around in a coffee shop, or a bar if you want to, and it's like, you know, what are we doing? I mean, we're not even being faithful to our covenants. We're disobeying God. We're not being faithful... What's wrong with us? I don't know. I've been thinking the same thing. It begins that way. And it's like the people are like looking in the mirror going, how illogical is our life? And you can see the comment there that I wrote on point one, chapter two, verse eight and nine. It switches uh, from the second person. You have turned, you have caused, you have corrupted, so I make you despised. You do not keep my ways. And then you turn to the next verse, have we not all one father now it becomes first person where god is saying you you you've corrupted you've gone wrong you've gone astray and then now in the very next works they go we have why are we why are we like this so it's just kind of interesting you just see that it's a huge break from god saying you 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 to now israel saying we 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 and they're, they're asking questions have we not all one father then why are we divided has not one God created us? We should unify around our God and our nation and the covenant. I mean, he created us. Why don't we just do what he says? 
Why then are we faithless to one another? We're not faithful to Him, but we should be faithful to Him. And if we're, going to be, if we're all being faithful to God, then can't we all be faithful to it? Can we just stop lying to each other? That sure makes sense. Doesn't that not make sense? I think it makes sense. Uh, faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers. We're violating the very covenant our fathers signed up for. Yeah, I'm done with this. I'm going to start following God. I mean, that, that's how that's that verse is saying. Uh, that's that point one, point two. This section is the third of the disputes. Why are they faithless to one another? Okay, turn the page, please. Uh, and point three, we've already covered that, the word begod. Point four, Yahweh is the father who started the nation. And to get that out of Deuteronomy 32, 6, Moses writes, Do you thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? This is Moses writing, say, you know, 1400 B.C., 1406 B.C. You foolish and senseless people, it's in Deuteronomy, is not he your father who created you, who made you and established you? Uh, he, he made you. Now just do what he says. So that's where that idea of father comes from, uh, the God who created Israel. One is repeated two times. I've got it underlined, indicating this is the singleness of the origin of Israel. There is one. We have one God. We have one father. It's like we're, we're, we should all be in the same place. Can't we unite on this one topic? Uh, and then, uh, prof- but, but they're profaning the covenant of their fathers. And how are they profaning the covenant of their fathers? In this context, coming up in the next couple of verses, is Deuteronomy, that's point 6b, the covenant, Deuteronomy 7, verses 3 through 4. It says right there, you, and it says several other places, you shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons, for they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods then the anger of the lord would be kindled against you and he would destroy you quickly once again the problem with foreigners in this verse in this concept is they are following a different god they've got a different false philosophy they're on a path to destruction god is trying to lead you to the light you say ah i think i'll go over there it's not that they're foreigners that we're racists or whatever it's like they are not teaching the right thing you're going to destroy yourself and upset the culture here okay verse chapter 2 verse 11 judah has been faithless there's that word again faithless but god an abomination has been committed in israel and in jerusalem he's been faithless it hasn't said specifically how he's been faithless but we know it's the foreign women and it's an abomination has been committed and word abomination we'll look at that committed in israel and in jerusalem for Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves. How he profaned the sanctuary? Uh, by marrying uh, the daughter of a foreign god. And what we're going to see in this next verse is, as we know, here's again the sanctuary. Here's the tabernacle. Here's the bronze altar out here. Is he marries a foreign woman, and then the man comes and wants to worship in here. And it's like... It's one thing to go marry a foreign woman, but then come over here and come into here and act like, well, what's wrong? Well, you're, you're, you're completely out of line with this foreign... You're, you're married a woman who's leading you to worship another God, and then you think you can walk in here. Uh, and so that's the idea. Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign God. Uh, Judah has been point one at the bottom. Judah is described as being committing uh, or of committing faithlessness to the covenant and to Yahweh and to the marriage covenant, which is coming up. Abomination, that word, they've committed an abomination, 
that word is, or detestable, abhorrent, is used to describe idol worship in Deuteronomy, perverse sexual activity in Leviticus, occult practices in Deuteronomy, and human sacrifices in Deuteronomy. So it's like idol worship, human sacrifice, perverse sex, and occultism, marrying a foreign woman, and then walking into the temple. It's like, you might as well go get into the occult or go have some kind of perverted sex and then walk. It's like, what are you doing? I mean, that's, that's the word. Uh, and they profane the sanctuary, and literally in the Hebrew it says, Judah has profaned holy of Yahweh. Now it doesn't, just so you see, and you go back and look in the Hebrew, it does not say sanctuary or temple. What it says, Judah has profaned holy of Yahweh, which he loves. So he has profaned holy, holiness, uh, and God loves holiness. Or is this the, the noun, the object, the subject, uh, that the holy, so they say the holy sanctuary. So that's, that's been inserted. Not that it's wrong, but just understand if you say, oh, well, maybe this could go somewhere else. You could drop the word temple or sanctuary out of that and just re- because the word is holy. And I, I, again, everyone basically agrees with that, but that's part of the translation. Some commentators say that this is, this chapter, or this portion of scripture is the most difficult in the Hebrew text because there's, coming up here, there's some just like some convoluted verses, like words that just like, and they all have to pick it apart and try to piece it together. Kind of like finding dinosaur bones and then putting them all together. So this is what the dinosaur looked like. It's like, mm, no, and then they move around. No, no, it looked like this. It's kind of, we've got all these phrases in these verses. Now, again, we're not attacking the inspiration of Scripture, but they do say that. So nonetheless, that's one of them. Uh, Judah's sin was married to foreign daughters. That's point two. Uh, the daughter of a foreign god refers to a non-Israelite woman, a woman who, from a culture that worshiped other gods, a woman who has been dedicated to the cult or shrine of a foreign god, a woman who had allegiance to a god other than Yahweh, a woman who was more committed to her foreign god than the Jewish man she was marrying was committed to his god, Yahweh. Let me say that again. If a Yahweh-worshiping Jew in Jerusalem is willing to cross the border and marry a foreign woman who worships Molech, how committed is he to Yahweh? The very fact that he will do that is indicating when push comes to shove, whose church are you going to go to? Whose church is he going to go to? He's going to go to her church because he's willing to cross the border and marry a foreign woman with a foreign God. If he was committed to Yahweh, he would say, no, you need to come over here and worship my God. And so it, it's just a sign that of more weakness to come. Here's all the verses or a bunch of verses about marrying foreign women. I'm not going to read them to you. you. You can see them. But basically, it's like when you get to the land, do not marry their people. Uh, but I do want to point out page four, top of the page four, just because of, you know, all the cries of racism and white supremacy and nationalism and we're better than the other people. Uh, understand, we have a list right here uh, of women from other nations and cultures who joined the nation of Israel through marriage and feared Yahweh as their God and were welcomed and are recorded in Old Testament Scripture. The same people who wrote these prophecies and chewed the men out for marrying foreign women also recorded these women as marrying Jewish men. And as we get into this, as you well know, several of them are in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. 
first, Joseph marries Ashnoth in Genesis. Uh, in, she's an Egyptian. In fact, her father was a priest. Moses marries Zephorah in Exodus 2.21. Selman of the tribe of Judah marries Rahab the Canaanite, who then was the mother of Boaz, who in the next section there, next point, marries Ruth the Moabite. And so Rahab and Ruth are all, they're the great-grandmother and the grandmother of David. And they're in the New Testament and the genealogy of Jesus. I want to throw Bathsheba in there because she was married to Uriah the Hittite. But that's definitely Uriah the, is a Hittite. But Bathsheba may have been uh, Jewish. People, ah, it could be either way, and it's not real clear. But you got a Hithophel who was her, one of her, like her, her dad or grandpa or something working for David and sided with Absalom. And so there, I can't put Bathsheba on that list. I always wanted to, I always tried, but Bathsheba is a question mark. Nonetheless, um, and again, point three, I've, I said all this, the reason for the foreign wife at this time in Israel's post-exile period would be especially appealing for a financial trade and security reasons. The economic situation in Judah was bleak due to lack of trade, lack of business connections, drought, poor crop yield, intermarriage into the established culture. You're intermarrying, basically, you're intermarrying into an established culture with family and guild trade ties, which involves a religion. And it's like, you want a job at the corporation, son, or you want to keep trying to dig a living out of there out in the dirt in Judah. It's like, I would like a seat at the table, father-in-law. Well, welcome to the family. We're going to go to the ch temple of Molech tomorrow. Well, at least you don't have to worry about your, your future. Uh, and that, that's what that's talking about. Chapter 2, verse 12, the last part of this. What is the result if you're going to do that first part? Uh, may the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendants of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. In other words, he's married the foreign woman, but then he wants to come walking back in here and bring an offering to the Lord of hosts in the temple. And so that's where, again, when it talks about holy, without the word temple, it pretty much, we've got this sandwich with temple activity around the holy, so there's not a problem with that. But anyway, that's, that's what that says. What's interesting here, a couple things. Uh, when we go through this, I'm going to read the Hebrew. May cut off Yahweh or Yahweh may cut off the man who does this being awake and aware. That phrase being awake and aware may tie into more than the man. The man is going to be cut off, but all those who are awake and aware in his peripheral, meaning if you're associated with him, if you're putting up with it, if you're not calling him out on it, if you're not driving him out himself, well, you're going to be part of that awake and aware group that's going to come down uh, and be driven from the tents of Jacob. Uh, and then he yet tries to bring an offering. Say, oh, you're trying to play, what, basically what they're doing, they're trying to worship Molech or support the guy who's got a wife that's worshiping Molech, but then also come over, that's fine, now we're going to worship Yahweh. Yahweh said, no, 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 you, you can't, you're not going to do both. You decide, if you want to go marry someone that's worshiping Molech, you do, but don't come back. Don't come back, walk in here like, you know, uh, I, I get you. Is that that phrase? I get you, God. What, 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 that Super Bowl phrase? He gets us. 
this is, I get, I, he gets us. You know, he, he's over there worshiping with his wife in, in, in Moab with the Molech. Then he comes back. He's like, Jesus, you know, I get it. It's, it's a tough life. It's like, you know, he, he, God, God doesn't get it. It's like, I don't understand what your problem is, and neither should you. Logically, you began this whole thing. He says, why are we not doing this? Why are we so stupid? I don't know. You're stupid. God knows you're stupid. Who knows why you're doing it? I don't get it. I mean, it's flat out, God doesn't get it. Yeah, so there it is. Uh, the second issue now, coming up here, the second issue, which was really the initial, I think it comes first. I think this problem comes before the marrying the foreign woman. Of course, a, a single guy could marry a foreign woman, but if a married guy who's trying to scrape out a living here in Judah during the post-exilic time when they come back, they're oppressed, working with his father-in-law, just like, oh, I'm done, divorces his wife and moves on to better territory. Uh, that's what I think is happening here. Chapter 2, verse 13, English Standard Version. And this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears. Now remember, that's where we left off. That's where we left off here with him trying to bring it into the temple. And God says, no, if you try to come in here and worship me, you can't have it both ways. I don't get you. Come my theme, I get a bumper sticker. And the second thing you do, you, while you're here, you cover the Lord's altar with tears and weeping and groaning. Tears weeping and groaning or tears and weeping and wailing because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand now it gives you no indication here of how does this guy he's weeping he's he's weeping it's like why can't i be accepted by god why doesn't he get me uh he says you're weeping and wailing because your offering's not accepted now it doesn't tell us here how and i, I think i wrote some things down point three uh, unstated and unrevealed is how does the man know Yahweh no longer regards the offering or the, accepts it with favor? How does he know? I wrote, his conscience, does he feel guilty? Uh, he doesn't say, I don't think so necessarily. The lack of results or lack of future blessings. I brought an offering, it didn't rain. I brought an offering, I still don't have any blessings like the covenant says. Uh, the, the direction of the smoke, you know, the smoke goes up, this way it blows off to the side, right in his face. I, I made that up. Uh, question mark. Or is it simply that right now the prophet Malachi uh, is telling the man, uh, listen, your offering is not accepted. Is he being told by the prophet, you're not welcomed here? Is he being told by the pastor, we don't want you in the church anymore if you're going to be bringing that kind of garbage in. You, you go somewhere else. Uh, but he's being rejected, uh, once again, is God doesn't understand, doesn't get him. He's saying, don't come in here. And the man knows it. The man tries to come in, and he's weeping and wailing. He's saying, why don't you accept me the way I am? And God says, I told you, you can't do it that way. You can't bring that in here. And, and God's rejecting him. And it's, it, it, that's the, basically the, that point right there. Uh, chapter 2, verse 14. But you say, I mean, I could, this just almost fits into our culture. It's like they live the way they want to live. Don't listen to the word of God. And then come and God says, no, not good enough. And they say, why does he not? Why does he not accept me the way I am? Why doesn't he get me? Because the Lord was witness. Now here's the issue. Why, why is this a problem? This is this, here it goes there. Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth. And now this is another interesting idea. Because you've got a man and you've got a wife that are going to form a covenant between each other. They're going to have a marriage and it says right here 
why will you not accept this? I, 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 you went to a foreign woman, now you come in here, you weep and wail. It's like, I'm not, because why would you accept it? Because you broke a cut. To get this scenario, you had to leave this woman who was a marriage. This is another transgression or, or being treacherous. You broke this covenant. Uh, but you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless. There's that word again, but God. Faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Now right here you can see here, and I'll, I'm going to point this out again. It says, wife of your youth. Then the word companion, which is a, not just she's your buddy, you know, she's your friend, she's your girlfriend. Now that's, that's a much tighter word than companion. It's, it's, it, it, a, a verb form of it is used in, in, in building construction where you put a joint together. It, it, uh, you put something together and form a joint that forms the building. It's now connected, it's one. You maybe had two blocks, but you intertwine them, you connect them with a joint, it's now They've been, they're now companions. And so this is not like, well, she's my girlfriend. No, she is your like partner locked together in this structure. So it says, wife of your youth, your companion, and your wife of the covenant, which means you have a legal contract with her. Uh, and it said, here, I want to look at this. It says, the Lord was witness. Lord, this is possibly, not ab, but Lord was witness. He saw this. If we want to say, you know, a wedding, he saw the signing of this contract, he saw this making of this vow, he witnessed it. Not only did, ah, God saw that, this can mean in, in, in tribes or contracts like this, you've got this person and this person signing a contract, but this person is outside the contract observing both parties for each other to make sure that if one of these breaks the covenant, that the curse of the covenant is enforced by the witness of the covenant. For example, these two people are covenant partners, but I would be outside like the law, the judicial system, you know, a friend or whatever, that, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm friends of both you guys, but if any of you betrays each other, I'm going to be held accountable to then bring the wrath down on whoever. And God says, I'm the witness of this covenant you really want to mess with this i mean, i created you and now you're you're violating my covenant and now you're going to violate this covenant and you're still stuck with me anyway but you say why does he not bless me in my offerings because the lord was witness between you i'm not going to advance this why aren't you blessing me well, because I'm supposed to be cursing you because you broke this covenant with your partner, your wife, the, 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 the covenant uh, you had with your wife, uh, to whom you've been faithful. Okay, turn the page, and there's the Hebrew. You can see in the square box, I got in the square boxes that word bagad squared all the way. Uh, uh, treacherous is there again, point four, treachery, uh, the first wife. Okay, point five, the companion or partner. You can see the Hebrew word there. It finds its roots in this word used as a verb in architectural construction to refer to a seam in a building or a joint in a building, which refers to a permanent bond. And she is your permanent bond. You've been bonded together with this person uh, in a contract, like a building. And again, when you talk, what this will end up talking about is when this breaks, th again, this is huge for our culture. This is huge for our culture. Uh, because when this breaks apart, th this was a bond, a joint, a seam in this structure.
But now all of a sudden, the corner blocks break apart on the, on the structure. Whoa, well, that just didn't work out for those two blocks. Wait a minute, you're part of a community. Well, what about the children? Yes, what about the children? But what about the community? It's like we just lost two blocks holding up an entire corner or entire part of the wall. Now all of a sudden that puts pressure on other blocks and pretty soon the whole now you just imagine a culture where divorce is just rampant and people just leaving it all kinds of marriages are all coming to me no one can everybody's treacherous lying deceiving each other it's like oh this is not good for you and your family no it ain't good for me and i'm just your neighbor it's like the whole culture is going to start and so it ends up with that word hamas social oppression is coming okay uh that's basically that point right there. Point six, the wife is described in this verse in three ways. I've said it three times now. The wife of your youth. In other words, the man is violating his commitment to a young bride. The woman would leave and join, instead of being taken care of by her family or her father, she's leaving to be taken care of by this man. And also the man says, mm, I'm done. I've got better business opportunities over here and leaves her. Well, that, that's not good for her. And that's not, I mean, it wasn't good in a Jewish community. It's not good in American community, which is, well, just leave the wife, just leave the woman. So he's violating that commitment to a young bride. Then it says your companion or your partner, which is that word we just looked at, the man is separating the joint of a structure. It's going to affect the structure he's part of. And again, that's what Yahweh's trying to build, is a holy nation, uh, a building that is held together by His commandments. Not because he's, he's ruling it over them, but this is how the world works. This is how you can have good crops. This is how you can have good families. This is how you can protect your borders. Just do it like I made the world. I know how it functions. Well, we got a better idea. No, you don't have a better idea. You've got a bad idea if it's different than God's idea. And then finally, the wife of the covenant, the man is breaking a contract, violating a sworn covenant. Verse 15, did he not make them one with a... Now, this is, this is one of those verses that's tough. And just because I've got a translation in English Standard or I've got an NIV translation here, uh, the, some of these things got to be... It's like finding dinosaur bones again. Which, which goes where, uh, you know. Did he not make them one? with a portion of the Spirit in their union. And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit, and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. So clearly this is about the wife of the youth, and being treacherous, and it's talking to the man. This is the way, he's, basically what this is saying is, somehow, this is the way it's structured. So, you man, do not be treacherous to this because it's all going to fall apart. Now, what he's saying about this that the man is not to be treacherous about is here. I'll read just the Hebrew words. Again, I, I'm not by any means challenging the translators here, but there are several different translations and interpreters will come and try and and uh, commentators try and put this together in different ways. So, uh, here's just reading the Hebrew words. But not one, keyword one, did he make them. And having a remnant of the Spirit, so one, something is one, okay? 
something is made and something is a spirit in this. Like he made them one and gave him the spirit or they made them one or he is one and so he made them by the spirit. I mean, something's happening here. Uh, to him and why one? And why, why did he do it? And the reason was, here it is, godly offspring. Offspring. Okay, now, right away, here's where you kick in. Mom and dad have good kids. It's all about having godly kids. Go to the Christian school, be on the Christian cheer team, have a Christian family, go to a Christian college, and live a Christian life. Okay, well, first of all, we're not talking about Christians here. Uh, and we're not really talking about children yet. Nothing has come up about children. He's been talking about a nation. He's been talking about them being together as a nation, following the law. And I think, again, you don't have to agree with this by any means. But for me, this godly offspring is a godly nation, a holy people. God is looking for I want you to keep this because I'm looking for a holy people to do my job, to take my glory to the other nations. And you, instead of going with my glory to the other nations, are divorcing your wife, breaking a covenant, breaking your covenant with me, going to Molech's daughter, and marrying over there, bringing Molech's glory into my temple. I'm looking for godly offspring. Oh, you mean good Christian boys and girls? No, fool, I'm talking about you. Be a man of God, stay married, and build this holy nation. Because I'm looking for godly offspring. Again, a little over the top there, but uh, it could go either way. Just all of a sudden to throw, he's looking for good children. It's like, well, yes, he's looking for good children. He's looking for godly children. But I don't think that's the topic of this, this verse. Okay. Let's see what time we got here. Oh, okay. Okay, did he not make them one? Okay, uh, this one, very quickly, this one can be translated two basic ways. One, the subject of the verb, to do or to make, meaning has not one made, has not God made? Or one is the object of the third person, he made, as in has not the Lord made them one? So in other words, has not God made them one? And then with the Spirit. And the idea here would be Again, a man's got, an in, he's an individual with a spirit. A woman's an individual with a soul and a spirit. And so they're individuals. But when they get married, they form a new union. And they, in a sense, make a, he puts a new spirit in that they are now a married couple. You're still an individual, but you're, what God has joined now becomes something unique. There's something that never existed before, puts a spirit in them. And so this is not just a contract. It's, in a sense, a creation that he's been witness of that you're supposed to hold together. In fact, he's made this whole thing one. Uh, that's one way of looking at that. Um, uh, wording, wording, wording. Okay, verse 16, last verse. Oh, boy. And this, this in my NIV, this last verse begins, I hate divorce, says the Lord God, or Yahweh Elohim. Now, um, this English Standard Version, you've got your own translations there. This English Standard says right here, 
for the man who does not love his wife but divorces her. That's compared to, I hate divorce. Do you see how close they are? I hate divorce, or for the man who does not love his wife but divorces her. Now here's the Hebrew. For that he hates, divorce, says Yahweh God of Israel, for he covers with violence one's garment, says Yahweh of hosts. Therefore, heed to your spirit that not you deal treacherously. Once again, comes down to the man is being treacherous. And I think right here, the person, the one here, the, the person that we're talking about is the man. And I got to rush through this. You can say, you can break it apart. God says, I hate divorce. Okay, that's true. But the issue here is possibly this man, and he's going to be doing three things. Number one, the man, it says, for he hates. He hates. That's, again, you don't have to, I'm going to show you, and then you can disagree, or we move on. Uh, For he hates, and then he divorces. He hates, he divorces, and then goes on and says, and covers with violence. And then he hates, he gets divorced, and forces a divorce, and then like a garment, he puts violence on and brings violence to his wife. And she is now the oppressed, the socially oppressed woman because the man hates, he acts on that hate, he brings violence, separates from her, and goes his way for a better life, and she is left with violence. And God ends by saying, so guard yourself in your spirit and do not be... So now this is what's going on. Take that to heart. Guard your spirit, guard your heart, and stop being... And that's what it means. And don't be treacherous. And stop being treacherous. Stop hating, divorcing, and giving your wife violence like you put on a coat. Stop being treacherous. And so that would be a way of looking at that as you go through those verses. For the in English standard, for the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourself in your spirit and, in, and do not be faithless. All right. I'll quit with that, and that would be the warning. Last week, it was, again, the priests were not teaching. That was kind of, Malachi was going off on that. Now he's looking at the men in the society and say, stop trying to get self-advancement, marrying these foreign women, divorcing your wife, because you're being treacherous to my covenant, you're being treacherous to your own covenant, and you're bringing Hamas to your culture, uh, social oppression. And again, that's very, very... That's the, last, that's the last line of defense is when you get that far, judgment comes. I'll pray and we're done. Father, do thank you for the chance to look into these things. We thank you for your word. I do ask that your spirit would speak to us through your word, that you would lead and guide us. And anything that I've said that is incorrect or misleading, I ask that the word of God, the spirit of God would, would bring these things back in line for our hearts to hear and understand that we may live a life that is pleasing for you at this time in history. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much. And happy Valentine's Day. This is my Valentine's message. <laughs> oh, here. Okay. There it is. <laughs> Everything's okay now. <laughs>